You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, has your lawyer ever had to tell a court that you haven't been with any females in months? <laughs> I don't have a lawyer. Um, <laughs> if I did, um, who knows? <laughs> Listen, it's been a long year. It's been a long year for single folks, Josh. Who would know? That might have to be the case. Yeah, of course, I'm referring here to Jesse Hogan uh, being fined for breaching quarantine rules straight back uh, from the hub into WA, straight back onto the old Tinder and getting someone over to his house. And the stuff that his lawyer is saying is wild. Um, here's, uh, here's some quotes. He fell into a trap because of the attraction to the young lady. It was a lapse in judgment from a fellow who's fairly youthful. He's 25. Like, he's not that youthful. Um he said that Hogan has problems looming in terms of employment and the possibility that he might end up living out his life in a, his rugby state where he would never be known. The the absolute tragedy of Jesse Hogan not being known for the rest of his life because he has to live somewhere where he won't be recognized. And uh, he's finally out of his almost prison-type environment. Uh, the This world's smallest violin is absolutely playing for Jesse Hogan. Uh, of course, it's tough, but mate... Just uh, just take your eight thousand dollar fine and uh, and get on with things, and then uh, then fire up the apps later on. Eight thousand dollars, huh? Yeah, I didn't see any of this story, so I thought I thought you were just taking a, a general interest in my life. I was <laughs> I was wondering what was going on. Yeah, that as well. I, I was uh, if I'm going to take a general interest in your life, I'll probably just approach a lawyer directly, though. So just just to get the just to get the info uh, right there. But let's uh, let's talk more stuff. We can talk Queensland here because the Adam Trelaw uh, situation. He has uh, said it's not happening. But then again, like Mark Stevens had a tweet yesterday. Oh, I wouldn't rule out anything. What's going on with him and his manager coming out and saying, no, it's not happening, like directly putting it out there. So if it does, yeah, if they do go back on that. They seem like real dickheads. But these other reporters who are allegedly um, yeah, clued in, um, just not not buying it. I don't, it's hard to understand what's going on. I missed that Mark Stevens tweet. You know, he actually um, blocked me on Twitter and I, I haven't, um, not too many people have blocked me on social media, I don't think, but Mark Stevens, I, I, it was kind of, it was unfortunate the way it happened. I'll just tell this story quickly. Uh, my, my favorite reporter in Victoria, Tom Brown, uh, tweeted out uh, before the Bulldogs Geelong game, he said, Charlie Dixon, is, uh, not Charlie Dixon, Tory Dixon is back in the team. Bulldogs are premiership uh, favorites. And then after the game, all I did was quote tweet and said, uh, Tory Dixon had four disposals and minus six meters gained. It wasn't even a tweet at Mark Stevens, but he was just involved in the tweet, and I found out a few weeks later I was blocked. So, sad story uh, with my relationship with Mark Stevens. But I, I don't know why they would be saying this, because uh, Trelaw was, and I watched 360 again last night, and Trelaw was very adamant. And, and in fact, he seemed a little bit pissed off that the rumors had quickly started. And I said on yesterday's show that I was really, really surprised at how hard Robbo went about this without actually seemingly having any facts about the situation. It was just a very, very strange one. Trelaw came out and said, listen, I'm not a child. Like, I understand what happens if my wife signs to play up in Queensland. We made the decision. I'm contracted at Collingwood. I'm not forcing my way out anywhere. I want to play at Collingwood. So it's it's just very strange to me that uh, multiple reporters went hard with this without seemingly having too much information about it at all. Well, Stevens tweeted this at about 8 p.m. last night. He said, the Trelaw situation is fascinating. I'd say nothing's a given. 
Like this is. After- I mean, I, I guess nothing is is ever a given, but I I I don't think. Like, if you watch that interview with Trelaw, it would be impossible for him to be any more emphatic about the situation. Yeah, and again, if they, if he comes out and he is playing for another club next year, he, how can... I don't know, it's just... It puts a lot of doubt in things that he says and his manager says. Oh, of course, we have to say it at that time. But you can you can say things without saying things. And the way that they said it was so emphatic that it's just not happening. And then report it is it is really it still remains interesting because of the fact that they're saying one thing and then multiple reporters are saying something. Hey, just watch, just watch. And I, I don't know where to go from there. I guess we'll find out in a few weeks' time when all the trade period does kick off. But if we want to talk trade period. We can't talk, talk trade period unless we're talking about Essendon completely overreaching <laughs> in terms of what they're looking for. The first reported offer this was here, awesome. here for Adam Saab is uh, they said, well, well, you either give us Sam Walsh, Charlie Kerno, or Harry Mackay. Uh, one of those will be a good starting point for a bloke who's out of contract. This is why the out of contract trading system is absolute bullshit. Saab doesn't want to be there. His contract's done. He should be able to go. Essendon, of course, coming in with nonsense. You don't blame them. You start high, you get laughed at. But Saad said he'll go in the preseason draft. And I think every other club should just gang up on Essendon and just let him slide through the Carlton so they get absolutely nothing for him in return. Or they said, oh, maybe we'll settle for pick seven. This situation is ridiculous, but we know it's going to happen every time with Adrian Dodoro. Yeah, trade period's still a few weeks away. It's going to be from November 4 to November 12 this year. So clearly... There's still some time uh, for this to to go down. It's only the 14th of October today, so still a few weeks. And I, I must admit, I, I laughed at this, and he, he would know that this is complete bullshit. I mean, you talk about perhaps three of the more untouchable players at Carlton, you've just listed them off. I guess maybe, you know, Kerno, who knows? He's had some injury uh, problems, but a clearly highly rated player who we all, I mean, we discuss on this show how important he is going to be to the Blues' success next season. So kind of just a, a funny trade request and, and i'm sure that they will eventually come a little bit closer and i i certainly hear the point from people that say well you got to start start high and then come back i mean uh that, I mean, there's a pretty unrealistic high there from uh Dodoro, but uh who knows who knows what he what he's playing at there with that situation maybe he's a little bit pissed off at, at adam side as well and and just uh just just being a being a bit silly i'm not 100 sure but yeah th- those ones were never going to go down let's just say that yeah, that's it's it's never going to happen. Okay, you start high in a negotiating standpoint, but it, the reputation of Dodoro and Essendon in these trade periods is pretty low, and we know he drives these hard bargains. And I think eventually it is going to bite him in the ass. And maybe that is this year. Maybe they get nothing back in return for Adams, which is exactly what they they shouldn't they shouldn't get anything back for him in that scenario. But we'll see how that all goes down. It's sort of humorous that this just to throw us all your best young players and we'll, and we'll be good. <laughs> um, maybe Carlton, maybe Carlton comes back and, and offers up. Uh... Darcy Lang, who uh, actually, I, I think they might have uh, delisted him, actually, Darcy Lang, former former cat. But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe they come back with a ridiculous offer of themselves and we just get a good laugh for the next few weeks. It would be humorous. It's just, just ridiculous back and forth. We'll give you our seventh round pick. How about yeah. that? And, uh, <laughs> and we'll just keep, keep going back and forth. We'll give you a, a, a rookie contract player. That's Why doesn't Essendon get the car? Oh, maybe, maybe they should do that. Adam will give you his. Uh, will give you his car. You can drive it from Windy Hill over to uh, your training facility in Tullamarine. Exactly. You know, get big K's up there. You, you get some good resale value on it. Maybe that's what they'll be looking for. But there was some um, some more positive news for for Essendon. Um, Jordan Ridley signing on, which is uh, great to go with these other contracts being uh, being dealt with, and like Andy McGrath in the last couple of days. So some good news there for Essendon. Yeah, huge. I mean, Ridley's been fantastic. I had to remind myself a number of times this season uh, how few games he'd played. I mean, starting the season, 
uh, you know, hardly played a game of AFL football, still only 21 years old, I believe. But, geez, he was fantastic. Essendon fans were pretty riled up. They thought he should have been an All-Australian. That's how good he was this year. I didn't have him in my final All-Australian squad, but an incredible season for him. And when you talk about guys that the Bombers might lose this year and, and the key position players with Hurley and Hooker and these types of guys that have been around forever, Ridley, uh, just a huge signing. With Andrew McGrath yesterday, a little bit of a vote of confidence from the young guys, and I think that's important for not only Essendon uh, keeping and retaining those guys, but I think for the image of the club that the young guys are buying in a little bit and, and willing to extend for multiple years. Yeah, so he was fantastic and probably the biggest bright spot for this team during the year outside of maybe McGrath and some could argue even ahead of McGrath with just the, the yeah. elevation and his ability to be a, a strong key defender and taking some really strong grabs back there. And his position in that All-Australian squad was well-deserved. And uh, yeah, you'd think that over the next five, six years, he's only going to get better. So massive news for Essendon there. For Geelong... Um, some news about some of their players. Quentin Narkel is out of contract, and he apparently hasn't been offered a new deal, so he could be heading home. Also, uh, Jordan um, Jordan Clark looks to be... He is still contracted, but there's some interest for him, and the Cats are the favorites to bring in Sean Higgins and Brad Crouch, so maybe they're looking to move on from some other guys for a bit of salary relief. What else is happening with Geelong and player movement? Because some of these young guys could be, uh, could be moving on. Yeah, a bit of a concern, I would have thought, if you were a Cats fan, because... As much as we talk about their ability to continue to to restock the list, and and I don't think losing any of these four guys is going to affect their premiership chances next year or maybe even the year after, but I think long-term you'd like to be able to retain some of these young guys. But we see this all the time with clubs that are at the at the top. You are able to pick apart their list from below. But yeah, Narkel, uh, Jordan Clark, who I, I really... I mean, I love both those two guys. I think Quinton Narkel has been impressive. I think ultimately it came down to a decision whether he could play in the side or Brandon Parfitt. And I think Parfitt's just been a little bit better in that similar role, a contested clearance player around the midfield. Jordan Clark has, has been really unlucky, fantastic in his first season. The other two guys, Charlie Constable, who actually has averaged over 20 possessions in the, in the nine games that he's played. He's a real ball winner, but uh, again, too many of the same players. He's been squeezed out. And the Kaya Cockatoo, the guy that... Uh, all catch fans absolutely love, and he's he's a scintillating player. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. It seems like Cockatoo might uh, move up to Brisbane and follow the Lincoln McCarthy path and and try and potentially uh, fix that body and get to playing consistent footy. Because when he has played, uh, he's been very very good, but he just hasn't been able to get out in the park. But four guys, that's four that's four young guys that the Cats probably would like to have thought a year or so ago that they'd get you know 150 to 200 games out of. Yeah, but that's that's the the price I guess you pay yeah. for you know, pushing you know, in these win I say win now window. This team's been in the top four team for what ten years it feels like in a row, and they're constantly just pushing for a premiership every year, every year. So you're going to lose some of these young guys, and there the, these are the players that teams who are looking to build need to be attacking. We saw that happen with Richmond last year with Alice and Butler moving on. That'll happen again this year. Gold Coast had that interest in Nathan Broad, which apparently has ended now. And that's going to happen for these good teams is that the players who are on the fringes who are struggling to get those games, they're the players that you look to try uh, try and get. And maybe that's going to happen in, in Brisbane with Alex Witherden, who you talked up a lot at the beginning of the season, but he's been he's been struggling to, to get a crack into this team. They're looking to bring in someone like Joe Danaher as well. So maybe there's going to be squeeze for you know, positions on the list and for salary cap. And that's the sort of guy that maybe he's someone who's gettable at a, at a cheaper price if he can't you know, knock his way into that midfield. Yeah, with it, and I, I think this is for whoever can get him. 
Um, and he, he is a, a local Geelong boy, and I, I think from the reports he wants to come back to Victoria, and there's a number of teams that are circling him, and for good reason, I would I would imagine. He Even when he's been in the team this year, he's really found the footy. He's played pretty well, including the 24-disposal game against uh, your dogs. He had 25 disposals against Essendon, but only managed six games and really been squeezed out by the likes of uh, Bailey and Stasevich and, and these types of players with Brisbane down back who have been just rock salt, just unbelievable. I mean, it, it it was hard for me to believe at the start of the season that Witherden would be a guy that would be moved out of this team, particularly when you look at the season he had uh, last year playing uh, all 23 games. And, and I thought, and you're right, I talked him up. I spoke about guys that could potentially move into that All-Australian squad uh, level. Witherden was one of the guys I thought. The, the, the profile matched up with the games played. His numbers across his first couple of seasons, his ability to find the football and use it at a really high level. So, I, you know, I understand why he would be a little bit frustrated and potentially want to move on. But if you're a Victorian club, this is a good one to get. This is a really, really good player to get. I, I think any team that gets him will be very, very happy. And, and you're going to have a guy that's going to walk straight into your senior team next year. Yeah, uh, it'd be massive if you could do that sort of a deal. And that's that's where you attack is those teams right at the top of the ladder to try and get those those fringe players, the 25th player, the 26th player, the 23rd player on, on those sort of teams. And uh, with it, it's probably in that uh, in that area. One other thing on trades before we sort of you know, t- turn our focus more to preliminary final. I mentioned a couple of days ago on this show about uh, I reckon Gold Coast should be looking to have a crack at someone like Jordan Degoe. I saw it, uh, saw it tweeted out by uh, another <laughs> another big uh, big media site. Uh, I think it was uh, Super Footy talking about you know, Gary Bacanara. Maybe Bacanara is a, a big listener to the show. I oh, was saying that the Gold Coast Suns should be chucking that big offer at Dugowie. Oh, absolutely. Look, Gary, I, I agree. I had that uh, idea a couple of days ago, and I think that that is absolutely something interesting. And I, I want teams to be really bold in making these moves, uh, teams like Gold Coast, and trying to get these guys. It's going to be super intriguing to see what actually ends up happening with Dugowie. But if you want the the big news and the big uh, the big ideas, Kane, uh, Lockdown AFL has them first. Yeah, shout out to the to the listeners. By the way, I know um, I don't you you give the call out to the end for everyone to subscribe. I guess I don't do this too often, but um, you know, in all seriousness, we have seen as the the years gone on, we started this new show, and the listenership has been building uh, to this point and through the finals, and and we certainly appreciate that. And listen, if people are getting a few ideas from our show, that's fine. Now, where we're still a relatively small podcast, but we're building, and soon, uh, you know, hopefully those listeners. Uh, will outweigh uh, those 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 media outlets that are stealing our ideas anyway. But uh, by the way, it's, it's a good point to say, if you do like the show, share it around. Share it around. Let people know what we're doing. The numbers are going to go through the roof when we finally get Tom Brown on as a guest. That's coming soon, guys. Yeah. <laughs> just, just just wait for it. But let's talk let's talk preliminary finals because we do have some big footy games coming up uh, over, the, over the weekend. And Port Adelaide. Um, most teams, I think, here will probably look to go in unchanged, I would guess. Geelong, Richmond, Brisbane. Not sure they're going to be too much of a shake-up, but... I think Port Adelaide has some interesting selection decisions to make, especially up forward. They went in against Geelong with, with Todd Marshall. Now, obviously, they, they got that victory, so it's hard to criticize too much about how the team looked. Uh, we assume that Dersma's going to be fine after his knock. You know, two weeks later, he'll be ready to go. But that Marshall position, he barely troubled the scorers. He kicked, he kicked a goal out of his two kicks. He took one grab. 
he just wasn't that impactful. They've got Justin Westhoff, who has played 12 games this year. They've got young gun Mitch Georgiades, only 19 years of age. He had a, a nice six-game run in the middle of the season, kicked a few goals in there as well. And I think that's probably the decision they make. Do they go back with Marshall? Do they go to the 34-year-old Westhoff? Do they go to the 19-year-old Georgiades to play in that as that other forward next to Charlie Dixon? I think that's probably the big decision that Port has to make in terms of selection this week, because I, I wouldn't be I'm feeling super confident if I was a uh, Todd Marshall this week. Well, it, it is worth noting as well. Obviously, he had that that shoulder. I, I don't know what they actually described that as. Whether it was the AC, the collarbone, something like that. He hurt his shoulder with a huge fall early in that game. Yeah, he didn't look right against the Cats. Yeah, and he didn't. And, and you know, the fact that he did that in such a a physical contest, perhaps that sort of put him off because I, I think one of the things that was underrated from that Geelong Port Adelaide game was it was it was it was a physical game. There was a lot of hard hits, a lot of uh, contests around the ground. So maybe if he was a little bit sore, it wasn't the best game for him to to really get involved. But you know, I I still think I'm going with the old fellow. I'm going with Westoff. You think talk about getting a bit of a boost coming into a final. The guy that is is retiring at the end of the season. He was there in 2007 when they uh, lost the grand final, but it's the last grand final Port Adelaide's been in. So he's clearly got a lot of finals experience over the journey as well. The last final he played in back in 2017, elimination uh, final, they they lost to West Coast, but he had 21 possessions. Uh, you can trust his hands, you can trust his ball use, and you know that he's not going to panic. And I think out of the other two guys with Todd Marshall and Georgiades, uh, young players. They're going to be fantastic. I thought Todd Marshall, when he originally got injured during this season, was a huge loss for Port Adelaide going out of the team. But I'm bringing West off in. I feel more comfortable with what he's going to bring to the table in a big final. And you know, you know, he's leaving it all out there. It could be his last game. It could be. He can also go and pinch hit in the ruck if they need to as well. Not yep. that he does yep. huge amounts of it, but he can do that. Georgiatis, though, in his seven games this year, has averaged two scoring shots per game. Um, which is you know, impressive for a 19-year-old forward. Now, he's only kicked eight goals, but eight goals, six in seven games. is you know, it's, it's two scoring shots a game. That, that's a decent chunk. Westhoff has not been that uh, that prolific. He's had 17 shots in his 12 games, so a little bit down there. Um, yeah, they're, they're taking similar amounts of marks. Westhoff, an extra one. He maybe pushes up the ground a bit more, but I think... Yeah, in terms of you know, where these players go, Westhoff can maybe pinch it in the ruck. Georgiades could, in a couple of years' time, he's going to be someone who pinch it a little bit in the midfield, I think. I reckon I'd, I'd go with Mitch. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I just, maybe I'm just uh, yeah, age-phobic here. That I'm just, he's, he's a little bit too old, Westhoff. He's, he's dropped off a little bit, but does he command enough respect? Maybe that's the thing. He commands that respect where players go to him and that frees up other guys. But then on the other side of things, does that mean that if you put Georgiades in, that the the opposition is not going to be paying him as much attention and he can get free and can create those goal-scoring opportunities that he's done throughout the season? So it is an interesting interesting call. And Todd Marshall's only 22 as well. And you, you're right. He has had some impressive games this season, but I think that's probably the big decision. You're leading old. I'm, I'm leaning for, for Mitch to come in, but... Yeah, in the end, I'm not sure it's going to necessarily be a game changer either way. Yeah, I, I think the the thing you have to do with Richmond, particularly that back line, we've spoke about this you know, endless times, the way that they use Grimes, the way that they work off each other, Nick Floston as well. So I, I think the reason potentially that I like Westhoff is that I don't think even in a big game, in a big final, I, I just think that he's going to be smarter. We know that he's a guy that works up the ground. You, sp- you spoke about his ability to go in the ruck, but he can also go back. But as a high forward, he will be the type of player that will drag an opponent with him, lead up the ground, because that's what you need to do against Richmond. And I, I have concerns that perhaps the other two guys, the young guys, 
And and listen, this is this is just speculation. This is just me, you know, talking shit right now. But potentially, the two younger guys uh, would be more likely to get uh, sucked to the contest and a little uh, less discipline than a guy like Westhoff. That you know, you give him a job. Your job is Dylan Grimes is going to be playing on you, or David Asprey, whoever it is. Make sure he's nowhere near Charlie Dixon. Get him the hell out of the way. If you get a few possessions leading up, then we'll feel we'll feel comfortable with that. I, I just think Westhoff for your structure, I, I think would be. I don't think you can go wrong if you pick West off, whereas uh, the, the other two guys potentially in, in a big final could go a little bit missing. Yeah, I, I can understand that point of view. I think the thing that you look at there is, I think it's almost without doubt that if Westhoff's there, he garners more attention. Now, mm. does that that then helps Charlie Dixon? But the other thing is to me that I think if yeah, having a Georgiatis or a Marshall there, they get less attention, but who's more likely to capitalize on that? Is it less attention on Dixon a better thing or having someone else with, with less attention like a Georgiatis who can sneak really under the radar and get Dixon just to be that guy that draws those players in, yeah, splits the packs, makes the ball hit the ground so these other guys can get easier shots? I think that yeah, that's, that's the question you've got to weigh up. Is it yeah, freeing up Dixon or freeing up other players around him, which one of those is the way that you want to go about it? Do you want your know, Grimes to, to draw in towards uh, Dixon more and then that opens up the space for these other guys? Yeah, we shall see. I, I think in the end, potentially the health of Marshall, I think they've said that he's, he's doing okay with that shoulder, but that could also potentially be the determining factor in this one anyway, if he isn't. 100% that might dictate them going with one of the other two fellows. But it's interesting because, as you sort of pointed to at the top, I don't really envisage any major changes to the Cats, the Tigers, or the Lions, really. So I think that this is really the one talking point coming into uh, the Final Four. Yeah, so we'll, we'll find out more about that on Friday or Thursday night. And then uh, fr- are they still going to do the stupid thing where they announce the, the... Well, not the stupid thing, the thing that's annoying for us yes, as a uh, yeah. podcast... <laughs> Produces that they will uh, not announce one of the teams until uh, until Friday night after we finish recording. I'm guessing that's what they'll do, but um, we'll see. I, I don't think there's going to be too much happening. And generally, when you get to this point in the season, it's just players returning from injury or players that are hurt. That, that's really the decision for most of these teams. But there are things that need to happen, and we want to talk about players that across these preliminary finals, you know, who needs to lift, who needs to improve on their performance in the finals so far. We've talked about him already. Charlie Dixon wasn't at his best against Geelong. I think that Charlie Dixon would admit that that was the case. He had, what, six six disposals. He failed to take a single mark. He kicked just one goal. Um, and he just wasn't that much of a factor. Now, Geelong did a really good job to try and limit what he did. And they were, you know, every time he got near the ball, the, the fists were in there. You have double, double teaming, but he needs to be better than that. Now, Port Adelaide got away with it because they got a you know, three-goal performance out of Stephen Motlop, out of his eight kicks. You can't rely upon that. Um, Brad Ebert kicked a couple as well. Like These are things that aren't really reliable. So Dixon does need to do more because while they got away with it in week one, a preliminary final, it's hard to see that sort of pattern repeating itself. No, you're 100% right. I, I think all the talk out of the qualifying final was, it was kind of... And I, I do understand it because Port Adelaide won the game and Geelong lost the game. But if you compare the two forwards and the criticism that came towards them... Hawkins got it all, and he had six shots on goal, whereas Dixon was really a non-factor, and the one goal that he did get came from a free kick as well. So he was crashing packs, and that's part of his game, and he's still a big target, and as long as he can create the ground-level footy, then he's still doing a job. But if you look at Dixon throughout the season, you mentioned the six disposals and one goal against the Cats in the qualifying final. We know when he played Geelong earlier in the season, he only had three disposals and didn't kick a goal against Brisbane. 
earlier in the season, six disposals, didn't kick a goal. So against some of these big teams, Dixon has struggled. And that's resulted in Port Adelaide being either losing the game or being in really close contests. And if you compare it the other way, when Dixon kicks multiple goals, they just simply don't lose. Last time Port Adelaide played Richmond, Dixon uh, kicked uh, two goals, and he actually kicked two goals, four, missed some easy ones. So really put his stamp on the game. 14 disposals, uh, five marks in that one as well. So, look, he's had some down nights, and, and the reality is when he, when he does have those down nights, they struggle. So he's the guy that's under pressure for mine. A really, really difficult back line to come up against. Last time against Richmond, you did see him push up the ground and crash those packs at around half forward and then get back inside 50 and find space. I think that would be the key again because if not, if you are simply just leading up to the hot spot, we know Richmond's so good at getting numbers back to the ball. So Dixon has to kick multiple goals. That's my call. He has to kick multiple goals or they're not winning this game. My player that I think needs to lift is maybe being a little bit harsh and you might take personal offense. Oh, it's Gary Ablett, isn't it? It is Gary Ablett because I wouldn't say he's been at his best in the two finals. 11 kicks across the two games, 10 disposals in each of those, hasn't kicked a goal, only one behind, had only four combined inside 50s. And during the season, he's like a four to five inside 50 player. Um, he did have two goal assists against Collingwood, but it's hard to look in a game that was as much of a smashing as that. He still didn't have a huge impact and he didn't have a big impact against Port. Um, and he was just, he just hasn't quite been the same in these games back since you know, having that long break after the original loss against uh, Collingwood back in round seven. He just hasn't been the same. Does he need to lift to be able to get them over the line against Brisbane? It would help. I don't think he necessarily has to do that. But last time against uh, the Lions, he kicked two. He had 14 disposals. He had four inside 50s. He hasn't even been pumping the ball inside 50 in these finals games. So I think that Ablett, well, it's a little bit harsh on a guy that's 36 years of age, just returning and is obviously a legend. I think he needs to improve his output to give Geelong a better chance at winning it. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the deciding factor because you can look at what Geelong did last week and they just had an absolute field day and everyone was able to put up some pretty big numbers. You had you know, Hawkins kicking four, Dangerfield was unbelievable kicking four, Duncan and Guthrie were all over the shop, Blitzarves did his job. Like Everyone was putting in big performances, but Ablett noticeably quiet through the two finals so far. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you'd love Ablett to push up. And really this year he has become... Uh, outside of the first couple of games where he got plenty of the footy, he's really become that 10 to 15 disposal player and, and just just so damn effective. And, uh, you know, the one thing I will say early in the game, if if that game was ever a contest, which I guess technically it never really was, but in the first 10 minutes, obviously he had those two goal assists that you mentioned. And I think that's the key with Gary Ablett. That's what he has become. He's the finisher. He's the guy that the Cats want with the ball in his hand uh, moving inside 50 because it generally ends in a, in a shot on goal and a lot of the times a pretty damn good shot on goal and a, and a potential goal assist there. So, yeah, look, if Ablett pushes up and has that 15, 16, 17 disposals and has the inside 50s, again, as much as I just spoke about Charlie Dixon, I can see the Cats winning the game because if he's having 17 disposals, he might kick a goal himself and probably give up uh, three, three or four uh, as well and the Cats are going to be getting easy scoring opportunities. So, is he is it critical nowadays for Gary Ablett to play well for the Cats to win? Not necessarily, but when he does, they're very, very hard to beat. Yeah, I think that's that's the key thing. And interestingly, since he returned, like he had never dipped under 80% of game time in the season. And all mm. three games since he's come back, 75, 79, and 76. So it's either they're protecting him or the fitness isn't quite where it needs to be. And maybe that's a part of it. He's just not in that game shape after missing, what, 11 weeks of footy you know, to be at home with his child and the stresses that were uh, surrounding that, that situation. 
that maybe his um, maybe his tank and his stamina just isn't there at the moment, and that's having an impact on his play because you know, he was. Yeah, 88, 88, 90, 90, game time, 93, 85, and then 75, 79, 76. So if if he's got the ability to push even further, this is the time to do it. Or maybe he just he just isn't doesn't have that aerobic capacity after having that time out of the game in the middle of the season. Yeah, playing as a permanent forward, I'd be surprised if he doesn't have the tank to run out the game there. I think it's certainly an interesting number that you pull up there. I'm looking at it myself. So 75 against Sydney, I think that that would have been more of the plan, I suppose, not having played for around uh, two, two, three months there. The qualifying final, that one's a, a little more difficult to comprehend. But remember, there was a, it was a super, super high-intensity competitive game, and maybe he did blow up a little bit. And then obviously on the weekend, I mean, it was maybe maybe it was a little bit of preservation. It's like, okay, let's make sure we get Gary Ablett through the prelim here and no fourth quarter hamstrings or, or something like that. But yeah, it's it's interesting. That'll be an interesting number to watch this week. If that, again, is below 80, then uh, I think you might be onto something for sure. It is one to watch. Again, last week, hey, you, you just put him in cotton wool because the game was over. But yeah, you know, the, yeah. the one against Port was in the game that wasn't over and he still was you know, going at that at lower amount. So that'll be interesting to see whether he can push even further. From there, I reckon we might call it a day today, Kane, because we'll be back tomorrow. Of course, Locked on AFL is with you five days a week, and we've got uh, more footy to talk about tomorrow. Thank you for another episode. Yeah, Thursday tomorrow, so we'll take a good look at Port Adelaide and Richmond, which I am uh, very much looking forward to. We're getting close. Game of the year? Um, I tell you what, it will be game of the year on Friday, and then depending on what happens on Friday, Saturday could be game of the year. I actually, we'll talk about it tomorrow, but I don't even know who to pick in these games. Yeah, it is tough. We'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow, guys. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Get get on boarding for the time that Tom Brown does come onto the podcast, <laughs> and uh, make sure you do leave that five star review on the old Apple Podcast. And today, I'm going to leave you with a shout out to Damien Cupido.